When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. When I move, you move. Just like that. Hell yeah. Hey, DJ, bring that back. All right, back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing and spinning the one and twos. We are broadcasting here from the Maestro to Bell Tequila Studios. All right, so keeping it moving as we end uh, going into this final hour of this Presence Day Monday. Um, keeping it moving, and we can transition to the uh, National Football League. And um, kind of started surfacing uh, Saturday early. That's when I first saw the report um, about Russell Wilson putting up his property in Colorado, which is when they purchased it. Remember, it was the biggest estate purchased in Colorado. Putting it up for sale. Um, started circulating and then more credible outlets picked it up. Uh, and then he makes an appearance at the All-Star game and weekend. He's got a new appearance. You know, he cut all the cut his hair down low, taking it back to his rookie year. You know, Russ is always, you know, like he can come across like corny sometimes, but Russ, the, Russ is another dude that he, he, he likes sending subliminals or getting like certain messages. So I took that as like, oh, he cut the hair off. All right, man, we back to uh, the grind work, I guess. Um, look, you know, we talked about it last Thursday and Friday about Sean making his rounds on Radio Row and doing interviews and, you know, saying that Russ is still possibly an option. You know, everything's on the table, yada, yada, but the quarterback position is, you know, important and we're going to dread and blah, 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 blah. So you have all that talk. And then shortly, probably 24, 48 hours, 72 max, you have this report and Russ puts the property and starts taking offers. So, if you read between the lines, the chances of him, which I said all along, that even in the uh, if you have root and interest in Denver, you would love to see him redo his contract and redo it. That would basically make it easier for them to, I should say, Sean to stomach him one more year. But the reality, I also told you that from a business standpoint and a and a NFL standpoint, especially in that fraternity of the quarterback position, no way you can do it. You just can't do it. And if I'm Russ, I wouldn't do it. Um, and it has nothing really to do about how they treated him in week 16 or 17. It just comes down to business sense that he's on the 17th green of his career and it gives him the leverage and it puts him in a situation to where – if they go ahead and release him where all eyes indicate and all arrows point, unless something crazy happens, that they're going to release him, it gives him the flexibility to collect $39 million, whether he plays a down or not. And it gives him, and, and I think, and I know, you know, Tim Hasselback kind of went viral uh, because he got on the four-letter network. You know, he's part of NFL Live Crew, and he just said, you know, that he thought there's a chance that Russell Wilson might not be in the NFL next season. And I thought it was blasphemy. I'm like, there's no way. I mean, because, first of all, you're going to get him so cheap, okay? Um, 
based off of the money that Denver still owes him in guaranteed salary next year, regardless whether he's on the roster or not. So I, I, I thought that was a little caught up in the moment for Tim Hasback to say that, because I think due to the fact that he's going to collect $39 million from Denver either way, that means that you could get a veteran Super Bowl winning quarterback come to your team for maybe about two to $5 million. And that right there is going to make him attractive to some team. Not a, I'm not telling you that he's going to have this big market because I don't think so. But there's going to be a handful of teams that are going to look at their options and going to figure like if we can get him that cheap, like the Joker once said, I'd buy that for a dollar. Somebody's going to grab him. Now, in Denver's situation, it's a tricky deal because – you know, you're making at this point the way things have been handled and the direction this is going, you're making this a decision to go forward and eating the highest dead cap number in NFL history over the next two years without a hundred percent plan B of action meaning you know you're you're going to be making this move allegedly to this point to release Russ before this guaranteed money is kicked in if he's on the roster which is right about a month from now but you're doing this with basically only one guy on the roster and steady with pretty much only two starts under his belt so um again you know the draft not just from the quarterback position but i think the draft they only got six picks this year and you hear some reports i mean i've seen some mock drafts out there and some reports that and this goes from conversations that really first started flying at the senior bowl but that sean is working on possibly a compensation curve of what the 49ers gave up when they moved from 12 to three in the draft or in the top three. And I will tell you, um, I go back and forth with this back and forth whenever it crossed my mind. I try not to think about it too much, but whenever it crosses my mind, I'm like, you know, I'm torn on it in regards to, I know how bad that they need to solidify that position. I know what's on the horizon and the eight, what's currently there. You have a team that's in the middle of a dynasty run. And you got a guy that just landed in the division and Jim Harbaugh teaming him up with one of the top three, four quarterbacks in the National Football League. So it's even more important than ever. And I'll keep repeating. You'll hear me say this all the way until April the draft. It is very important to land and solidify that quarterback position, however it comes about, whether it's a trade, you know, for Justin Fields, whether it's a, it's a trade down because a guy that you're looking because honestly, what I think, I think there's quarterbacks that Sean's looking at that we, the people that do cover Denver, even from the local media standpoint, national writers, whoever, 
you know, Mike Clisses of the world, Troy Rank, anybody you think of that covers that team. I think Sean, in my opinion, he's looking for quarterbacks in areas that we're not even thinking of right now. Whether that's deep, deep down in Division Two schools, uh, schools that you don't see. I mean, I know it was the the the, the Tulane kid. Um, you know, whether that might be, you know, the veterans that are going to be free agents. The quarterback pool, you know, when you talk to Jimmy Garoppolo and most likely the Raiders are going to release him. You talk about a Kirk Cousin coming off of an Achilles injury. You talk about maybe a Garden Minshew. You, you, when you, a Baker, when you start looking at the crop there, based off the fact that you are wanting to and willing to push Russell Wilson out of town, which basically... When I look at Orange Nation, I look at pretty much a division on that topic. You got some people thinking like, hey, man, it wasn't Russ's fault. Might as well stick with them. Why are they going to eat the dead cap? Then you got the other people on the other end and say, hey, you know what? Pull off the Band-Aid and just do it. It's not working in that system. You know, Drew Brees came out over Super Bowl week and just said, look, Russ is not going to work in that traditional Sean Payton system. Which was crazy to me because I'm wondering, Drew, did you tell that to Russ when he was begging you up and down to get Sean to come coach in Denver? But that's a whole other different topic. But to me, it just comes down to where I'm just torn either way it goes. Because I'll tell you this right now. It's, you know, if you do do that and let's say you're moving up and I'll keep saying this, the, the thing that's tough for Denver and the thing that sucks for them as an organization this year, they're just in the year that a, quite a few teams above them need quarterbacks. Like it's the right class to need a quarterback of the future, but there's a few teams ahead of them that need quarterback as well, too. So Sean, along with Jorge, they're going to have to get very creative if that's part of the plan to try to swindle their way up, you know, uh, to a number three, you know, or number two. They're going to have to. And, and, and the downside of that is <laughs> third round through fifth, I'd say round three to six. For the next two years, you're going to have to hit on some of those picks. You're going to have to go deep, deep, deep and hit on some of them picks in round three to six, really four to six, because the compensation, even if you're talking about that 49ers compensation and you're talking about a team that hasn't had a this is their first year. They're going to have a first round pick in the last three years, two to three years. They're not going to have a second round pick because this is the last of the the, the, the Sean Payton deal. That's going to go to the Saints. So if you talk about going, if you're talking about really making a move from 12 to get in the top three or four, then you're talking about going in the draft of 2025 without a first round pick and then maybe even 2026. So um, there's no there's no elevators on this one. I mean, they're going to have to take the stairs. They've, this is a big decision. They've got to do it. I mean, this is the reason why Sean has a six-year contract. But this is not going to be an easy decision. Uh, for one, um, you're going to have to get aggressive if you really want to get that guy. Or if you got root and interest in that particular ball club, you're going to have to hope that there is somewhere he's looking and he can find a guy that we're not even thinking of, whether that's later rounds or whatever, that can mesh. 
Because if you're going that direction, let's say if he's going deep, deep, as I say, most likely Steady's going to be the starting quarterback in week one. If you're going deep, deep, deep. If you don't trade, because I've seen things where they, at 12, they take the cornerback out of Alabama or they take an offensive tackle, which if I had my choice, I would go offensive tackle or quarterback. Or, um, you know, I've seen some tight end, you know, but again, I don't know if they're ready to cut bake with Dolich. He just can't get his hamstring situation correct and straighten out. But I just feel that if you're going deep, deep, if he's going deep, deep and find somebody that we're not even thinking of that he's going to mold and he's going to, you know, let sit, then Jared Stemmons is going to be the quarterback next year. But the other part of it is if you're going to be aggressive, because a lot of this I've seen them making a move to go and get Drake May. And that means you're trading up to like three. Um, I would totally be for that. But the reality of it is, that back end you're going to give up because this is not a team that is a quarterback away. Um, they're a couple, I don't think they're a Walmart parking size lot, no pun intended. I don't think they're a Walmart parking lot size away, but they're more than just a quarterback away. And I think if you are, if this is going to be done right, because remember, they've never really had a, a true teardown in Denver. With the Broncos. They never really had a true rebuild. Okay. Uh, but if they're going to do this right. And it's done right. Then I think if you're part of Orange Nation. Or you have root and interest in this team. You're looking at hopefully by the year of 2026. The season of 2026. So pretty much two years from now. that And you would be going into Sean Payton's. Third or fourth year of his contract. That that's a team that's ready to compete. For the, uh, for the AFC crown. You know, the way of looking now, things can things can always shake and bake and they do have an owner that's got money and you can manipulate on that. But the reality of it is that this quarterback situation has got to get rectified because I'll keep saying this, man. You, I don't care who your running back is. I don't care who the pass rush is or your defense quarter. If you don't have a quarterback and your team plays in AFC, you have no shot. You have no shot. I mean, hell, just look what happened to the Cincinnati Bengals this year just because Joe Burrow got hurt. Still the same team that beat Kansas City two out of the last three times they played or something like that. But you lose Joe Burrow and then you go to a backup guy. Look what happened. I mean, they were able to stay competitive here and there, but they had no shot. And that's just the reality. So we'll see. I mean, you know, the draft to be, we've got combines, you know, uh, the NFL combine will be getting up and going about another week or two weeks. Um, and then, therefore, you go to the personal workout. So you'll start hearing more stuff, you know, come out. But it got kick-started this week with Russell putting the crib up uh, and stepping offers, which I still feel. And, and, you know, I think the whole rust of Pittsburgh thing is getting overblown, too. I mean, I know that's one of his teams that he announced. But I, in my opinion, I don't think that they're ready to move on from Kenny Pickett. Now, the word on the street, I think it was CBS Sports that reported this weekend that the building is kind of divided on Kenny Pickett in Pittsburgh. But I think me personally, knowing how that organization works, I can't see them punting on Kenny Pickett. Um, already, I think they're going to give him another year since they fired a coordinator, got a little banged up. I think that they're going to try to make the team better in the draft. They've got picks. I think they're going to let them rock one more year. That's just my opinion. So Pittsburgh, I'm not really buying into that. But Atlanta, the Giants, because I really do believe that this is going to come down to what Sierra really wants to do as well, too, because this will be her second move 
with Mr. Wilson and they do got kids and they're human. So that does play a factor into where you don't want to move kids around all the time from place to place, even when you live the lifestyle that they do. Also, what do you got? Or do you want to add some? Okay. Also, um, making news, Michael Parsons. He won the Celebrity MVP trophy on Friday. Hell, that game was more competitive than the All-Star game, to be honest with you. They were both teams, from Shannon's team to Stephen A. I watched that one. That was that was pretty much competitive. But Michael Parsons won the MVP, and he had a sit-down prior. He was on Stephen A.'s show, not First Take, but his other show he does, his podcast, whatever. And Micah, and this is like the second time he's talked about just what he thinks the Cowboys need to do. But the difference thing, so I've already talked about that, so there's no need, that, that, that didn't really catch my ear. What caught my ear was his comments and his response to Demarcus Lawrence's comments that Demarcus Lawrence made publicly, uh, which didn't make my radar until Michael Parsons brought it up. Uh, but Demarcus Lawrence was talking about how he felt in the Green Bay game or in that point that they were fatigued, that they were tired. And Michael Parsons had a response to that. And we will talk about that when we get back. And also, you know what, we're also pretty close. I think we're only a couple days away before that you can start tagging people, too. You start giving that cattle brand tag. So I would like to have, uh, we look at it like Joe's pull up and see what come of these potential franchise tag players that might be getting that brand here in the next few days you listen to the sports grind today's show is being presented by dos Equis. get a dose we are broadcasting here from the maestro de bell tequila studios we'll be back Texas summers can get hot, but now they're blazing with the new Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix. The latest addition to the Zing Zang lineup brings the same great, bold, and delicious taste that you already know, only much hotter. Shake things up with Zing Zang Blazing Bloody Mary Mix, made with premium ingredients and crafted for a bold and savory taste, whether with your favorite vodka or with the pre-mixed ready-to-drink cans. Zing Zang, America's favorite Bloody Mary and an official sponsor of the sports crime. Please Zing Zang responsibly. For more than a century, the Pendleton Roundup has defined what it means to be a cowboy. It also gave life to something equally renowned, Pendleton Whiskey, capturing that unique spirit in every bottle and honoring the enduring legacy of the American West. Pendleton Whiskey is made with the finest northern grains and cut with Mount Hood Glacier water, a whiskey that celebrates the cowboy in all of us. That's Pendleton Whiskey. That's true Western tradition. Pendleton is the official whiskey of the PBR Tour. Pendleton Distillers, Lawrenceburg, Indiana. Please drink responsibly. Pendleton Whiskey, official sponsor of the sports grind. Are you moving around the greater San Antonio area? Choose the storage experts. Tiger Moving and Storage. Whether you're moving an office or the whole family, Tiger Moving and Storage offers container drop-off and delivery with efficient, prompt, and cost-effective service. To learn more and to secure your portable storage container today, go to choosetiger.com. Tiger Moving and Storage, official sponsor of the sports grind. Back here on the Sports Grind, Calvin Casey, Jonas Clark producing, spinning the one and twos. Today's show was presented by Dos Equis. Get a dose. We have been broadcasting from the Maestro de Bell Tequila Studios. 
And this last segment of the day is going to be sponsored by Zing Zang. Two words, the key to any perfect cocktail, and that is Zing Zang. Make sure you try out all their pre-made alcoholic drinks. They come in a lot of different flavors as well, too. They have their new Michelada mix as well, also. But whatever you do, make sure you Zing Zang responsibly. That is Zing Zang, official sponsor of the sports crime. All right, so real quick, just wrapping up on the Micah Parson thing. So, Micah responded to that and said that he doesn't like that and doesn't buy that in as an excuse. And he says that that's something that he wouldn't say publicly. Um, he doesn't understand why he said it publicly, but he said that he doesn't buy into it. It just sounds like excuse. He said it's the playoffs. You know, you're playing for it. You're playing this. You know, Micah, which you're, he's starting to get a little bit of pushback because I've kind of been saying this. But Micah, I mean, he's a heck of a player, but Micah talks a lot. Um, you know, it goes with this whole podcast on the edge with Parsons. Um, you know, guys are getting into this. You know, what's crazy to me is that guys that are not like Micah hasn't even reached his prime yet. He's still early on in his career. And guys at his level, even the caliber player that he is, it just still gets me how these guys want to concentrate on, you know, the media aspect and controlling the media and having a platform and going at back and forth with fans or the Stephen A's of the world, the Skip Bayless of the world, the Shannons of the world, instead of just like focusing on the task at hand. And that is to work on your craft and, you know, continuously, like, try to build your legacy. It's just, it's a different time that we're in with athletes. I mean, it's just, you know, Jay had a famous line, Jay-Z, talk about finish your breakfast first. Like, I mean, he just is, and, and again, it goes back to what I kind of said last week. You know, this whole Coach Zimmer situation, um, you know, who was that? I think I, I don't know if I heard Bart Scott. I heard somebody said it's a lateral move. No, it's not. In my opinion, I think him and Dan Quinn, I think, have two, from what I've read and what I've seen from afar, never met the two men in person, but they've got a different personality. And I think Zimmer is really a little bit more old school than even Dan Quinn is. And I think Dan Quinn is more of a probably player's coach, like his unit, his defensive unit guys. Zimmer, I think, is very old school and blunt and very in your face if you're not getting it done. And I do think there's going to be an adjustment period. Not saying it's not going to work. It's just going to be an adjustment period. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, six months down the road from now, we start hearing about those things, especially when you get into camp and all that kind of stuff, because he's got some characters on that side of the ball. And his unit, speaking of Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Diggs, those guys. So, again, uh, it won't be the last Micah update this offseason because as much as he talks, he'll constantly put out, you know, you know, pretty much zingers that, you know, will make to the their way to the major websites and talking, you know, shows like this one. But that's one of those things that I wonder what the conversation is going to be like with Mike and Demarcus Lawrence, how he handles that. Cause you can tell Stephen A that you thought that that was, you know, odd or that's a weak excuse. That sounds like excuse. And we weren't tired. And I wouldn't have said that publicly. I don't understand why he said that publicly. The question is, are you going to, are you going to ask Demarcus Lawrence? that? Are you going to tell that to Demarcus Lawrence? And I think that's some of the early criticism that you're starting to get here from Micah, the talking heads about him, you know, needing to mature more as a leader. 
needs to be more of a, you know, in your face and holding players accountable because he's such a hell of a player. But is he really pushing guys and making guys around him better? He can come to the cliches all he want to. I'm in deep water. See, we want to come into deep water with me. All that stuff he was talking in August and September because the way this Dallas Cowboy team is constructed with the head coach and the ownership, okay, to me, and I've told AC this before, they're they're the Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash Phoenix Suns of the late '90s, early 2000s. That's who they are. They're going to win 10, 11 games, possibly win the division again, and they're going to run up against a better coach team and a better prepared team in the playoffs. And we're going to be at this story again. Just my opinion. But we still got a lot to figure out still in this offseason of who's who and what's what. Speaking of that, um, Mr. Jeremiah, Daniel Jeremiah of the NFL Network, uh, came out with his um, 2024 NFL draft prospect. Uh, we were going to look at the top 10 or top 15. But before we even do that, what I think is even more important, John, did you have the the list for the top potential targets for free franchise tax? Well, uh, uh, the potential targets. I mean, really, it's any free agent without a without a clause, right? You know, that says that they can't be tagged. But there's some big names that I think that are starting to leak. That a few, like everybody, somebody's got somebody on the team you could tag them, really. But I'm talking about some of these big free agent names that either we've heard stories or maybe leaked that tag might be a position that they're going to. That's probably a little bit more for me that I want to touch on, really, for the drive prospect. But if you don't have it in front of you, we can go well, with the. I have it, but okay. it really kicks back again to um you know we, we did the top free agents uh, uh, about a week or so ago and so it really is roughly that but let's dive into it so the franchise tag period starts tomorrow all right yeah it ends march 5th at 4 p.m eastern 3 p.m central 2 p.m mountain time um and when we look at the top, so I'm, I'm looking over here at USA Today because mm-hmm. the other key part as to why you make a decision to tag a guy is because how much that tag is going to cost. Right. That's 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 the key part of the whole thing. Yes. And so that that's why, as to why you would make the decision as opposed to negotiating another longer term deal. Uh, the tag, of course, does still offer open the leave the door open to negotiate a longer term deal, uh, even though they sign the tag. Uh, so from USA Today. And they're using Spotrack. You know, I love Spotrack. Now, <laughs> uh, Spotrack's numbers, which aren't final numbers, it's just projections based on what we know. We can tell we get salary cap figures and everything like that for the 2024 year. But quarterback position, we talked about there was two key quarterbacks on the on the franchise, uh, the free agent market this year: uh, Kirk Cousins and Baker Mayfield. Uh, both made the top 24. We did I think CBS Sports the other week. Uh, the, uh, Quarterback tag number sitting there at 36.3. So if you feel like, like, and I think Baker made something like 4.2 this last year before incentives, um, which he made incentives for, you know, making the playoffs. Uh, 36.3. If you would look at that, would you say Baker Mayfield in today's NFL, it's a $36.3 million quarterback. Would you tag him at that number if you're the Buccaneers and maybe you're trying to work out something long-term with Mike Evans, for example? I would say no because I think that I could still negotiate with Baker and get him like locked up for three or four years on a better number than thirty six million a year. 
maybe uh, with more incentives to among, continue to you know like he worked this last year. He always needs a chip on his shoulder. Yeah, incentives or whatever. And I think Baker would go very. Ha- him and his agent would happily do that because I think Baker's looking for a commitment. He wants a franchise that's going to be committed to him. Like, hey, even if it's only for three or four years, I don't anticipate anybody giving Baker Mayfield no five or six year type of contract. I think the years are going to be around three to four years type of deal. Five max, but I really don't see five. Maybe I damn sure don't see a six year deal to be honest. It's going to be more realistically a three or four. Hell, I wouldn't be surprised if it comes in even lower at a two year type of deal. But I would, to answer your question, no, I wouldn't tag him because I really do believe that you can get a number lower for him annually against your cap than $36 million in franchise tagging him. Because even though he had a good year with Tampa, he led them in the playoffs, if I'm running the Tampa Bay Bucks or I'm a GM and I would sit there and say, we come to a stalemate between me and his agent, then I would sit there and go, okay, then go out and see what you get then. With this draft class coming out, with this rookie draft class coming out, also with – Who's ever out there who could be released? Maybe a Garden Minshew's no longer be the coach. You throw him in the mix. I, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be. I would sit there and say, then go see what you would get. That's why I don't think they're going to have to franchise him. I anticipate they're going to come to an agreement on a three to four year contract. There you go. Well, it's a fear drop from quarterback to the next next highest position franchise tag mm. figure. The next highest is the linebacker spot coming mm. in at twenty two point eight million. Josh Allen of the Jaguars is a candidate for for the franchise tag. I could see them doing that, not knowing. I mean, you know, Calvin Ridley, I believe, is a free agent too. And reports are they're um, willing to move on from him because yeah, if they if I, they if they sign him, they owe the Falcons a second round pick because wow. of the whole, the trade because they, they technically traded. Yeah, for him some to of this language, him. these GMs, some of these guys should be fired just off the language they put in these contracts to come back to bite them in the ass. Uh, no, I was going to say that they're not. They're not going to franchise Calvin Ridley. Uh, they'll let him walk. Uh, maybe they let him walk. He comes back at a cheaper number, but there'll be a market for Calvin Ridley without a doubt. Well, if if he um, resigns with the team in general, they get that pick that, because that, he, because they would have stuck with him long term. You know, beyond this and season. You said that's a second round pick? second round pick from reports. I mean, to be honest with you, though, if you really think that he can help continue with Trevor Lawrence's growth. And I would be more worried about the dollar amount than I am the second-round pick for Calvin Ridley. I mean, Calvin Ridley's a good football player if, if he has his head on straight. I mean, he made a dumbass decision that cost him a year. But um, that's not that bad for Calvin Ridley for a second round. But I do feel, because of that language, and they will release him, and they've got the situation with their linebacker, They will probably, he will hit the free agent market. And so, therefore, the Jaguars likely to tag Josh Allen at 22.8. Um, the defensive tackle position comes up next, 20.9. Uh, Justin Mbatabuke, uh-huh. Baltimore Ravens, had 13 sacks this last year. I'm trying to think who else of Baltimore is looking to get paid at City Significance. Um, I think there's pieces in their secondary that need addressed. Well, you're talking about the AFC North and being able to have that big that big boss up in the middle. Yeah, I think you know when you have the defensive type of season that Baltimore had, especially statistically, um, you probably want to keep that intact as much as you can, especially since you came up short. Because really, it wasn't too much the defense. 
that cost him that game. It was really the offense and Lamar and the offense and the running game that didn't show up. Um, so I can see them using that tag on him potentially if or they feel like they can't replace him. Long term, yeah. you know. Of course, it's always an option. You don't have to tag guys. Guys don't always like to play under the tag. Yeah. Uh, T. Higgins is a candidate at twenty point seven million wide receiver position. You can thank Devontae Adams for helping inflate that oh. number. Um, you know the uh, it is a, the average of the top five at the position, which is only likely to grow depending on what happens with the contracts uh-huh. for his for Higgins teammate Jamar Chase, and of yeah. course Justin Jefferson who yeah. has to be paid yet. Uh, so w- would you tag T Higgins? I mean, you've already got Burrow locked up. Um, again, there are other needs. I think the look. You know, I've been talking about this for the last eighteen months. Uh, there, there was coming a time, and I know Jamar Chase is on the record. Higgins is on the record. Boyd, hey, we're gonna all take money because we want to keep this together. Yeah, okay. Um, not, not, not with the receiver. The, the receiver position out of college for the last couple of years has been pretty deep in the draft. I'm not. If I've already got Jamar Chase, he's the number one, and I've got a quarterback like Joe Barrow. Um, and I've got Boyd. I can't. I can't place a franchise tag on the receiver and play Higgins that kind of money. Um, I'm just gonna have to take the chances. Let him walk. If he finds something better, maybe his heart emotionally wants to stay in Cincinnati. Maybe they feel like they've got unfinished business. If I'm the GM, I've heard what they. If I've heard it, I know the GM heard it. So okay, y'all on record. Y'all want to stick together. Y'all gonna take less money. Then I'm gonna make them put it to the test. I'm not. I can't put a franchise tag on Higgins. No. I feel you. Well, we're gonna start bouncing around a little bit. Talk yeah. about taking less money. I'm gonna skip all the way to, to just about the last one. If we were mm-hmm. to look at the the, the lowest tag, you're talking about kickers and punters at $5.6 million. Um, but right above them is the running back position. And then we spent a lot of time last offseason uh-huh. talking about the running back franchise tag. 11.3 is what it costs to tag a running back in 2024. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, Derrick Henry is a candidate for that. You know, he's. I think he's about 33 years old himself. He's. Done. If the he's, if ownership no. wants to keep him in a in a Titans uniform moving forward, is 11.3 too high of a figure for a guy like Derrick Henry, or do you think that he could he could command more than that on the open market? I think he can maybe command a few, not much more. He can command maybe about two to four million more. Maybe maybe like around the 13 to 15 million for a one year deal. I think his time in Tennessee should have been done. Last offseason, I think with a new coach and change. And um, did they go new GM2 or just new coach? Uh, I um, think GM2 because okay. – uh, no, I think GM was two years ago. Okay. Well, I would just say with a new coach, and again, you're coming into – you know, being having to be invested um, in their quarterback that they've gotten um, now, the kid from Cut uh, Levitz. I, I think you're probably going to see him walk. I don't think you franchise tag him on there. And it's probably somebody else we're thinking on Tennessee that body's probably going to be more important technically than Derrick Henry, that they a defensive player or a secondary they might have to tag instead of using it with him. I'm going to bounce back up to offensive line uh, because the USA Today piece notes Tyron Smith could be a, a top candidate. We talked about Tyron the other week, and week of course, but at 34 years old, he's still an all-pro. Uh, you're looking at a tag number of 19.9. No way. No way. He, he's not. Tyron Smith... He probably played the most games this past season than he's had in like the last combined four or five. I think he started thirteen. Games yeah, that's pro- that's more games than he probably played um, 
put it this way. I won't go combined. I will just say that's more games that he's played easily in the last three seasons, so maybe four. Uh, at 34, that position, no, I can't tag him at $19 million. I think if you let him walk, maybe you get him back cheaper. But if he gets out there in the open market, I think you. I, I think people, and trust me, offensive linemen, are they? They ain't under couch cushions, the good ones. But I just, I'm leery about his body, and I honestly think this season was anomaly. I, I, I don't, I can't bank on Tyrone Smith playing 13 to 15 games. So I would sit there and say I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to try to sign him, maybe between the 13, 14 million dollar range, a year deal, maybe a two year deal at 28, 25 million, something like that. And you think he takes that to retire a cowboy? I mean, maybe. I mean, if he really believes still what they have going with Mike McCarthy and Dak and he thinks they're close about getting over the hump and he wants a ring and it's familiarity and he's comfortable there, I could see that. But at the same time, I could also see Dallas. There's somebody out there that would probably outbid Dallas by a few million dollars, okay? Um, and when I say outbid, I can see them getting outbid by four or five. So even though I'm sitting there saying I can't pay Tyrone $19 million, somebody might come in and offer Tyrone nineteen twenty. And at that point, if you're at the stage of your career where you're Tyrone Smith, you got to take that paycheck because it ain't no guarantee. It ain't like you, you know, you're you the 49ers coming off of a, a, a last-second drive by Patrick Mahomes in overtime, and it's like, are we going to running back you have no idea if this team is coach capable or leadership capability to get to the Super Bowl so you might as well get your bread that's the way I see it but um that 19 for him I don't know about that I don't know yeah 19.90 might as well just say 20 yeah um well that's pretty much the list uh Brian Burns makes an appearance on there at defensive end that's going to put you around 20 Carolina Panthers, I think they've got a lot more needs and to worry about a, a, a franchise pass rusher. Now, let me ask you this. That at this point. One that you didn't have, and we talked about it. I don't know if they negotiated in this contract last that they can't. Well, what about the Chris Jones situation? Could, could Kansas City use a franchise tag on him, or are they able to? I don't have that information. Okay, maybe that's a to-be-continued for tomorrow, but I'm pretty sure Casey Robb hears it. He'll message me before then. Anyway, all right, man, that is a wrap for today. Special thanks to producer of the show, Jonas Clark, San Antonio, El Paso, Abilene, people up in the Maha City and Denver, people up in the Shaw City, people down the whole 305 South Florida region, and my people down Laredo. When that alarm goes off tomorrow morning for you at the snooze button before you're out the rack, just ask yourself, you grind in peace. See you tomorrow. When life sounds too much like this, it's time to consider more of this. Sometimes a little shift is all you need. A dose of perspective. Dos Equis Lager. Get a dose. Enjoy Dos Equis responsibly. Copyright 2021. Imported by Cervezas Mexicanas, White Plains, New York. Maestro Dobel Tequila was born from 11 generations of tequila-making legacy. It is sourced from a single estate in the volcanic lowlands of Jalisco, Mexico, using the finest 100% blue agave.
Double distilled and aged in European white oak barrels, Maestro Dobel's commitment to innovation isn't only to discover new ways of distilling and aging, it's about elevating and crafting a superior tequila that is the essence of mastery. Maestro Dobel is the official tequila of the PGA Tour and an official sponsor of the sports grind. Please drink responsibly. It's time to warm up that scoreboard and get ready to bring home the win with Specs. Specs has you covered with lower prices on all your favorite fan fuel. From craft beer, rare spirits and world-class wine to chips, dips and gourmet finer foods. And with same-day delivery when you order online or through the app, Specs is your MVP for the biggest score of the game. At Specs, the fun starts here. Here's to you, cheers to savings. Just because the sun is setting earlier doesn't mean the fun stops sooner. Now is the perfect time to get to Specs and stock up on after-summer savings with fresh new releases in every category. Specs has Texas' largest selection of lower-priced wines, craft cocktail ingredients, and beers that'll have you raising a glass to every sunset. The biggest savings of the season are at Specs. The fun starts here. Whether you're looking for a date night at the Dominion or a light meal while shopping on the weekend, stop by Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion. Just five minutes north of the shopping center, Thai Lao Orchid's Vietnamese options are great for dinner or lunch, serving up staples from curry and noodles to the house special Nam and Seafood Lovers steamed clay pot. They're open weeknights from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. and noon till 9 on Saturdays and noon to 8 on Sundays. That's Thai Lao Orchid at the Dominion, official sponsor of the Sports Grind. 